Um, I, I love to be outdoors. I like to be outside. Uh, my wife loves to be outside, our boys. Um, I'm definitely not what you would call an outdoorsman, all right? Um, take that as you will. I basically means I couldn't survive on my own in the wild, <laughs> all right? I would need a few guys with me. I was driving with Gary and Shannon in the car this week, and I, we actually brought that up, and they were talking about the fishing trip. I said, I would love to do that as long as I was with somebody, because I would, I would not survive on my own. But, you know, we, we love being outdoors, and it reminded me this week about a, a mission trip that I was on in 2011. Uh, we were in Haiti, and we were, it, was, it was pretty rough work. And by the end of the week, I was labeled the delicate flower on the trip. <laughs> so... That probably sums it up a little bit better. But as a family, you know, we love to be outside. And we like nature. Um, we, we like to enjoy, you know, we enjoy riding bikes together. We, we take walks. And uh, especially when it's not negative 10 degrees outside. You know, right now the weather's good. Uh, we love to go to the zoo. So this spring and this summer, I'm sure we're going to do a lot of that. And one of our favorite things to do, maybe our favorite pastime at home, I've shared with you how we love to watch movies, but more specifically, we love to watch documentaries. Uh, Me and my boys, we like to watch documentaries about animals and, uh, you know, different wars that happened and all all sorts of stuff. We just like to learn and and share that. It's so fun. Uh, But personally, one of my favorite things uh, to do about being outside is just being able to look at all the different trees. All right, that, that might sound a little bit weird, but I like to look at all the trees just to see all the different things that God's created. And, you know, I didn't know this before preparing for this message series, but I found out this week, I'm going to sound smart for a minute, but this isn't the case. Uh, I found out there's, there's about 85 different species of trees in the state of Wisconsin. Um, that, that's pretty crazy. And out of those 85 different species, our, our, our state has a total of uh, estimated about 34.7 million acres of land. Of that land, about 46% of our state is covered in trees. Um, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. Now, again, I'm not a math person. Faith is the, the math person. Um, but if you do the math, that's about 16 million acres of our state is covered in trees. That's, that's a huge change for us coming from Oklahoma. Uh, I say this because we, we live in a beautiful state, don't we? We just live in a beautiful state. And despite the cold weather, sometimes we really do live in a great state. And you know, I also found out this week one of the strongest and largest trees that we have in the entire state, and I hope I pronounced this right, is called the Montello Cottonwood. Um, it's located out on Highway 23, and it's estimated by people who study trees that it's about 200 to 300 years old. And what's amazing, this tree stands 138 feet tall. Now, I haven't personally seen this tree up close or anything like that. Just a show of hands, has anybody seen this tree in person? Okay, we've got a couple, but for the rest of us who haven't, I brought a photo. It's on the screen this morning, so I want to show you a picture of this, this cottonwood tree. And it's an aerial photo, so you probably can't tell. You know, I, I want to get out and see this thing, but this thing is massive. This tree is, is old, it's strong, it's tall. And what amazes me is how any tree, really any tree in our state, could withstand uh, the harsh Wisconsin winters, the, the types of storms that we get year after year. Now, I know that the winters uh, that we've had, some, some years are better than others. This year has been uh, pretty mild, but some years are, are pretty, pretty brutal from what I've heard, just the years past. And for a tree, again, any tree, to be able to withstand the difficult winters and the harsh storms, the, the roots have to grow deep. The roots have to grow deep. The, the trees that are able to withstand uh, the kind of weather that we typically see are, are the ones with deep roots. Well, today we're going to begin a three-week message series called Rooted. And what I want to talk about in this series is how you and I 
can develop deep roots in our own lives. You know, it's a new year, and with that comes new goals. I'm sure all across the room this morning, there's probably resolutions and goals and things like that, and, and that's fine. Going into the new year, uh, a lot of people recommit their lives to the Lord to say, God, use me. I want to recommit myself. I want to be used the way that you've created me to be used. And I would say, generally speaking, people tend to have a really positive attitude and outlook on the new year, especially for the first two weeks. All right, We have a pretty good outlook on, on life. You know, one thing I've learned over the years is that although it's a new year, Although we have a positive outlook, although we have recommitments and resolutions, um, although it's a new year, the storms of life are coming. You know, this, this isn't something that you and I need to be fearful about. It's not something we have to worry about. But for many people, this life that we live often feels like one difficulty, um, one trial, one challenge, or one storm after another. You know, a pastor friend of mine, uh, he's also a mentor of mine, he likes to remind his church pretty regularly that um, you've either just come out of a storm, you're currently in a storm, or you're about to be in a storm. I, I hear this, and I, I think there's a lot of truth and wisdom in this statement. Again, it's not something that we should, we should worry about, but if it's true, the question for us becomes, how do we develop deep roots so that we can get through the storms of life? How do you and I develop deep roots so we can get through the storms of life. I've shared with you, uh, with, with many of you, I haven't shared this from the stage yet, but with many of you in just one-on-one private conversations, um, in May of 2016, our family um, was hit with a massive storm. And we, we experienced something that, that no family should ever have to go through. So it was May 17th, uh, 2016. I received a phone call around 4.30 in the morning. It was my dad's voice on the other end. And he let me know that my younger sister had just passed away um, the night before. You know, for, for those of you here this morning who have lost a loved one, you know um, all about the pain, all about the hurt that comes uh, with loss. One thing I've learned over the past couple of years is, is that you, you never get over a loss. You really don't. You, you never get over a, a loss like this. And, and although... You never get over the loss of a loved one. I, I do believe, and this is something God has been showing me over the past few years, is that um, he wants to help you get through it. All right? you, you never get over something like that. I remember having people actually tell our family, you know, this is just something you're going to have to get over. You know, and, and maybe you've never, never said something like that. I, I hope not. But I just remember hearing that and thinking that that is, is kind of contrary to what I feel and, and read even in Scripture. And I have learned over the years that I do believe that although we never get, through, uh, get over those kinds of things, God wants to help us get through them. And that goes for any kind of storm that you might experience in life. You know, I, I think some of the most difficult kinds of storms are the ones that bring loss. I think most of us would probably agree with that. But there's all kinds of storms in our life. Things that Satan wants to use to hinder your relationship with God, to, to hurt your relationship with other people, and just to throw you off track, to help you lose focus of who you were created to be, who you are in Christ. Well, there's two truths that I want to remind you about this morning before we begin our study. Um, you're welcome to write these down if you want. You're welcome to just listen. But the first truth is this, is that if you and I are not rooted in the right kinds of things, the storms of life will blow us away. If we're not rooted in the right kinds of things, the storms of life will blow us away. Second, we can be rooted 
In fact, I believe that God's plan for your life is that you would develop deep roots, the the kind of roots that help you get through the storms of life. I truly believe that. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 13. And as you're flipping there, I'll remind you, we're going to have the verses on the screen. And you're also welcome to use your smartphone, uh, your tablet, um, your, your smartwatch, your smart, just fill in the blank. There's something for everything these days. But you can use that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 is where we're going to start this morning. And I've done something a little different with this series. I've, I've underlined some words that just really stood, uh, spoke to me and stood out to me um, in study. So for, for every message this series, we're going to try that. And I hope it's a, a big help for you as well. So this is what verse 13 says. Uh, three things will, will last forever. It doesn't say a short time. It doesn't say a month, a year. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So many of you, you'll recognize this verse as being a part of the chapter on love. You know, we read this chapter at weddings. Um, we had one recently. We read some of these words. We, we hear these verses or we read these uh, verses as they're written on Hallmark cards. Uh, we see them spoken in, in movies. But it's at the very end of this chapter that the Apostle Paul shares these words. He says, these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about uh, these three things. We're going to talk about how faith serves as the foundation of our response to God's message, the good news of Jesus. We're going to talk about how hope is the attitude that believers uh, should have and is the focus of our faith. And then we're also going to talk about, finally, how, how love is the action the action, this action of love is first demonstrated by God uh, towards us through Christ. And when you and I are in Christ, when we have a, a, a real, genuine, a personal relationship with Jesus, we're able to love God and love others in the way that we were called to, in the way that we were created to. So as we take a closer look at 1 Corinthians 13 over the next few weeks, I want to wrestle with, with the question, with this question, what does it mean for you and I to be rooted in faith? What does it mean to be rooted in hope? And what does it mean to be rooted in love? You know, I believe that if we can get this right, it doesn't matter how great the storms are in in our lives. You know, with God's help, we'll be able to stand when they're over. You and I will still be standing when they're through. So the question for today is this. How can we be rooted in faith? I want to share a couple of very practical truths with you this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, the first point that we're going to talk about is this, that our faith is rooted when it is our own. Our faith is rooted when it's our own. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says these words. It says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by opening, declaring your, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And Paul continues in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. It's almost as if these verses should go together. It's almost as if the same author wrote them. Uh, Ephesians 3 verse 17 and 18 says, Then, and, and I love that word then. It actually shows up a few times. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And then here's where the idea of rooted comes in. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So it's your roots that, that grow into God's love. And that's what, that's what keeps you strong. 
And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So the Apostle Paul, he explains it for for us right here, explains it for the church. He tells us what it means, what it looks like for our faith to be rooted. Our faith is rooted first when it's our own. You know, I believe that there is a point or a moment in all of our lives, and, and many of you have already done this. There's a point or a moment in all of our lives where when you have to make the decision whether or not to believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. There, there's a time when, when, when you're going to have to answer that question. You know, this belief is about making a real personal commitment to who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And this decision to place your faith in Jesus is about believing that he died for your sins. It's about believing that he was raised from the dead and asking him to be the Lord of your life. This is always a personal, heartfelt commitment. And you, you have to hear that. It's always personal. It's always heartfelt. It's always genuine. We believe it in our hearts. Paul explains that we believe this in our hearts, then we say or speak it with our mouths. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For it is by believing in your hearts that you are made right with God. And it is by opening, declaring, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You know, if you've ever been asked the question by someone else, um, how do I become a Christian? What do I do? What do I say? How, how do I become a Christian? If you've ever been asked that, that question, the answer is right here. Salvation is available to all people and is as close as your heart and your mouth. You know, sometimes I think we, we try to overcomplicate the process, but it really shouldn't be complicated. If we, if we believe in our hearts and we say or speak with our mouths that Christ is the risen Lord, the scripture is very clear that we will be saved. The NLT version of Romans 10, uh, 10 says that it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And I read this, and I've read a couple other translations, and you go back to the Greek. I think there's a better word that we can use for this entire phrase, and that's the word justified. So it's by believing in your heart that you are justified. The, the word justified is a, is a courtroom term, and it means to be declared not guilty. So when you and I believe the good news in our hearts, God declares us not guilty. Man, that's good news. We are justified. You know, you and I, we can read the Bible every day. And I know people who do. We can read the Bible every single day. We can go to church every single Sunday. We can join a small group. We can be a part of a Sunday school class. We can go to summer camp as a kid or, or help serve at one as an adult. We can go on mission trips and still not be justified. And that's because a personal decision has to be made. Without that personal and sincere faith in Jesus, faith is not our own. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, just one chapter prior to what we just read, says God saved you by his grace when you believed. Period. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You know, there are other faith traditions that will teach you that you earn your way to heaven. You earn salvation, but that's not what Scripture teaches Scripture teaches exactly the opposite of that, that when we're not saved or justified by our good works, we are saved by God's grace through having a personal faith in Jesus. Amen? And our faith is only rooted when it's our own. You know, today, God wants us to have a personal and sincere faith in Jesus. This is the first aspect of, of being rooted in faith. 
It truly is. The second thing is this, if you're taking notes. Our faith is rooted when it's lived out. So first, our faith is rooted when it's our own. And secondly, our faith is rooted when it's lived out. You know, we live in a time and a place in history. And I believe we were here for a reason in this time and in this place, but where tolerance is considered truth. You hear that word being thrown around a lot, right? You, tolerance. You should be tolerant of this. We, we're told that tolerance is, is truth, and if you disagree with someone, it's considered hate. You, know, you and I are told daily through the news stations, through social media, at our places of work, through our schools, even in our own families at times, and this is probably the hardest, but we're told that it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe. That's fine. Just, but if what you believe goes against the mainstream, or if what you believe goes against what I believe, just keep it to yourself, right? That's the culture that we live in. Now, these voices are so loud these days, and and they affect us so greatly. I even hear Christians saying things like, well, my relationship with God is private. It's between me and him. How often have you heard that? And maybe you've said that, and I'm not trying to point fingers or anything like that, but, but I hear that these days. And yes, it's, it's a personal relationship, and there are private elements, just like any other relationship that you and I have. But God wants our faith to be public. He wants our faith to be lived out. Every Christian was meant to have a private aspect to their faith as well as a public aspect to their faith. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, verse 36, uh, verses 36 through 41. Now, uh, Luke is the author. We just got done talking about Luke for about three weeks. Um, he, he's describing how, the, how Peter just finished preaching the first sermon on, on the birth, life, and ministry, of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So this is like the very first sermon. These people have never heard the gospel before. And this is what he says. He, he starts wrapping it up like this. So, so let everyone in Israel know for certain. It sounds like Peter, or it sounds like Luke, his, his writing, you know, his, his certainty, his, his details. Let everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And then it says, Peter's words pierce their hearts. There's a lot about the heart, and I don't think that's the muscle. I think that's who we are. That's who we were created to be. That's our our spirit. It pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So they hear the gospel preached and presented for the first time, and this is their response. What should I do? What should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, period. And here's that word then again. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time so that he didn't just finish and everybody go to, you know, TGI Fridays or whatever. He kept preaching for a really long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. You know, the one that tells us that, that tolerance is truth. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So you and I, we we make a private, personal commitment to Christ. We believe in our hearts. Then we need to make it public. We need to make it public by confessing Christ with our words and being baptized into Christ through immersion. You know, the Greek word for baptism is baptizo, and it literally means immerse. There's no other word found in the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's no other, there's no other way. 
That's what Scripture teaches. You won't find an example anywhere else in Scripture other than immersion. And that's because we're instructed to be immersed. You know, when we go completely under the water, we identify with Jesus' death and burial. And when we're raised out of the water, we identify with his resurrection. The old is completely washed away, and we experience new life in Christ. Confessing Christ and being baptized is the biblical way that we say to everyone, I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to live for him. It is the way. I would say to you this morning that if you've never been baptized, allow God's word to speak to your heart this morning. Allow God's word to speak to your heart. Make that decision. Be baptized. Don't wait. I was talking to a friend this week, and we were talking about, you know, maybe the age-old debate of what baptism is and what it isn't. And this isn't a a sermon on baptism, so we're not going to go into that. But he, he said something that is just great, and he said, you know, baptism is the plan. It's the plan. It's God's plan. God demonstrated. Jesus was baptized. He commanded everybody else who is his followers to be baptized. His disciples commanded everyone to be baptized, to make that decision. It's the plan. We should follow God's plan. We should be obedient to his word. We should publicly confess Christ with our mouths, and we should be baptized into Christ through immersion. Matthew chapter 7 shows us that once we've been baptized, God doesn't want us to stop there. You know, a lot of times I think we get this wrong, especially in the Restoration Movement Church. Sometimes I believe we, we elevate baptism to a place that maybe it shouldn't be. And we say, well, if you just make the decision to be baptized, then you're, you're good. But Scripture shows that, that baptism in, in and of itself does not save you. And that might step on some toes this morning. Jesus saves you. There should be fruit followed by these decisions to be baptized and to place your faith in Jesus. There should be fruit as you live your life for the Lord. And, and Matthew 7 shows us that, where we're called to live our faith out. Verses 24 through 27, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. I love this text. See the storms of life in this church. See this. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Man, you can see the storms of life in this, can't you? So how do we have a strong and rooted faith, a faith that will stand against the storms of life? Well, Matthew 7 gives us the answer. We practice what we read in God's word. We practice what we hear in God's word. You know, I I can preach a sermon on prayer. I can do a whole series on prayer. But if we don't take serious the call to prayer, it doesn't mean anything. I could talk about giving and generosity. Those are kind of the ones that, especially if you don't like to give or you don't like to be generous, those are the ones that are kind of hard to hear, right? But if we don't give and we're not generous, it doesn't mean anything. I could preach on serving or, or wisdom. I could preach on parenting or what it means to, to be faithful. I could talk about weathering the storms of life. The list goes on and on. But if we don't apply what we hear from God's word, we aren't building or, develop, or developing a faith that's rooted. A faith that will stand when the storms of life come. 
Every single time I preach, I'm going to do my best to give you an application for what we're reading. And it's funny because I was thinking about this, and Matt talked about this last week, talked about the importance of having that personal application. And and this is why. This is probably the best definition I think I've ever heard. It's kind of catchy, but it's true. This is why. The Bible wasn't written just for information, period. It was written for application, which results in life transformation. I love that. The Bible wasn't written just for information, If that's where the case, we could just, you know, start more classes. We could be full of head knowledge and just not live it out. The Bible was not written just for information. It was written for application, which results in life transformation. You see, friends, our faith is rooted when we hear and apply the word of God to our lives. That's when it's rooted. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, this is a book that we often read on mission trips and Things like that, because it really does just shake you to your core when you read this book. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen. Don't just come to church on Sunday and listen. Don't just hear a sermon or go to a Sunday school class or a Bible study. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. There's a lot of parallel between wisdom and foolishness. And those who obey God's word and does what it says and those who just disregard it. You know, Matthew chapter five, verse 16, going back a little bit, it says in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You know, living out God's word in our own lives is so important for personal spiritual growth. It's so important for developing those deep roots. And as we live our faith out by doing what God's word says, we remember we're reminded about the promises of God. And then we're used by God to impact the community that we live in, to impact, to influence the families that we live in. Our roots grow deep and others see that. And scripture says so that they will praise your heavenly father. Let your good deeds shine out. Let it be on display so that people will see Christ. When I think about the mission that God has given us, I'm reminded that Matthew 15 verse 16 is is what this church and what this community really needs. I think there's definitely a place um, for small groups. In fact, I am like the biggest fan of small groups. I, I think we need them. I think people grow in community. You grow in groups. I think we need more you know, classes, and, and I think we need more opportunities for people to grow and learn. But I want to say this this morning. We don't necessarily need more Bible studies for the sake of having a Bible study. You know, What do we do? Well, let's just start a Bible study. That, that's not a good reason to start a Bible study. We don't need more special events just for the sake of trying to stay active. Well, we haven't done something in a couple of months. Maybe we should do something. That's not the reason that we outreach, and it's not the reason that we stay active. You know, these things are good, and they can help us build relationships and help others see Christ, but what people really need to see is Christ in us. People need to see Christ in us. They need to see what it really means to live our lives for Jesus. You know, when, when we're actively living out our faith, we're pointing others to Jesus and we're, we're building lives that can withstand the storms of life. Let's be rooted in faith, church. Let's be rooted in Christ. God wants our faith to be rooted. He wants us to have a faith that can stand through difficult times. Faith that's built on a firm foundation. Our faith is rooted when it's our own. You know, at some point, every person has to decide in their own heart who they believe that Jesus is. 
Jesus asked his, his disciples this question, and we, we ask someone this question every time they make the decision to be baptized. Who do you believe that Jesus is? Not, not your parents. You know, not the, the, the group that you hang out with at work. Who do you believe that Jesus is? At some point, every one of us have to answer that question. Have you made that personal commitment to Jesus? Secondly, you know, our, our faith is also rooted when it's lived out. We, we believe in our hearts, and then we publicly confess Christ, and we're baptized into Christ. I believe that is part of God's plan of salvation, by the way. It's his plan. It is his purpose. He, he, he has, he's given to, that to us through his word. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't. What every, God wants every person to live out their faith by being obedient to his word. You know, a lot of times, and I've had conversations with young adults, with youth, with, with adults. They become a Christian, and then they sit on their hands for a long time, and they just don't know what to do. It's like they're waiting for God to reveal to them this, this massive plan, this, this huge purpose for their life. And we've talked about this, how there is, there is a specific calling, I believe, that God has on every person's life that's here. But there's also a general calling that God gives every Christian. And that's just about reading God's word, being obedient to it, doing what it says, and being used by God in that way. God wants every person to be rooted in faith. Our faith is rooted when it's our own and when it's lived out. You know, church, the, the storms of life are coming. Again, we shouldn't be fearful of that. Um, we talked about this week with uh, some friends in the church and with some of our staff that um, we're going to have trouble in this life, but Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Our, our, we, we claim that promise. The storms of life are coming, and, and you've either just come out of a storm, you're currently in one, or there's a storm on its way. One way that we make it through the storms of life is by being rooted in faith. Faith serves as the foundation for being rooted in Christ. Do you have a personal faith in Jesus today? You know, if we only knew the details about every storm that the Montello cottonwood tree had gone through over the years, you know, some 200 to 300 years, I imagine that the tree would have some stories to tell. I imagine that it would go on and we could sit around a campfire and just hear about it all day. If the tree could talk. <laughs> Represented in this room today are around a around hundred unique individuals. People that are so loved by God. And who also have been through many storms in this life. You could tell a lot of stories. You could share a lot of stories. And when I think about my own life, there have been many storms that I've experienced. Storms that I've gone through where I was not rooted in faith. Maybe you can relate to that. Every person here could tell stories about how we've handled the storms of life. Whether it's on our own or surrounded by a group of people or with deep roots that are rooted in faith. My prayer for our church today is that we would allow every storm that we experience from this point forward be a story of, of faith. That the storm wouldn't take over, but that we would be rooted in faith, we would be rooted in Christ, especially when we experience those difficult storms in life. So that's the call today. That's the challenge today, church. Let's be rooted in faith. Let's allow God to grow our roots deep. Let's be a church that is rooted in faith because when we are, we're rooted in Christ.